In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Happy Halloween. Today, as Jean said, is the celebration of All Saints Day, one of the principal feasts in the church calendar. That's the reason we have our incense and our um, big celebration for all of the saints around us, saints from the past, saints from the present, and for saints to come. As it is Halloween, I hope you'll indulge me in departing from the normal homiletic structure, and there's a lot to unpack exegetically from Lazarus being pulled out of the tomb, and from John, the revelator, imagining a new kingdom. But I want to start today with something a little bit different. I want to start with a spooky story. We've just heard about the story of Lazarus being called forth, I imagine wrapped up like a mummy in cloths and spices. So the scriptural warning is there. A few years back, I committed the sin of reading too many horror stories before bed. A bit of context, I lived alone at the time in an apartment complex where there had been three murders in the prior decade. And of course, I lived in, um, or I lived in Connecticut at the time, which of course is the setting of uh, a haunting in Connecticut. I was reading through these stories about demonologist Ed Warren and his clairvoyant wife, Lorraine, who were in fact real people and lived down I-95 a few towns away. So this is the setting. I've been reading too many scary stories and I go to sleep. And around three in the morning, I woke up completely unable to move. I felt some kind of dark presence in the room with me standing at the foot of the bed. Of course, now, I know that this phenomenon is called sleep paralysis and has been widely documented the world over. Scientists reckon it's an evolutionary trait left over from the time when moving around in your sleep could have thrown you into the fire. Somehow, with night paralysis, something misfires neurologically and your mind wakes up before your body unfreezes itself. But at the time, in this moment, I was absolutely terrified. I didn't know if I was awake or if I was dreaming. In those moments of darkness, I began to pray. I don't remember what prayer or what I said, but after a few moments, my mobility did return, and I was able to sit up, and I crossed myself and sat up in the darkness. Now, there's probably a lot to unpack here psychologically with demons and the story and the science and neurology behind sleep paralysis, but I want to talk about this idea of the cross, the sign of the cross. For today is our celebration of All Saints Day, and this sign binds all saints together. Now, when we think about saints, we probably think of those adorning our windows. We have um, St. Francis, of course, with the animals, and St. Hugh with his swan. We have St. Mary behind us, and St. Peter with the keys, St. Paul with his sword, and the list goes on. But today is about all saints, known or unknown. The saints we celebrate today are indeed the ones in the windows and in the carvings, but there are also other exemplars who serve as models for Christians today. We think of saints in terms of superlatives. 
St. Francis was the most in tune with God's creation. St. Aquinas was the smartest. St. Hildegard, the wisest. St. Monica, the most dedicated. St. Peter, the most headstrong for God's kingdom. But sainthood is not about superlatives. Sainthood is about the substance of identity. Let me unpack what I mean by that. Sainthood is not about being the kindest or the most loving, the most sacrificial, or the most zealous. No, sainthood is about recognizing first who we are, not on what we do. It's about recognition that we belong among the people of God, that God makes all things new, as John the Revelator prophesies. One of the things that helps me remind me of this is the sign of the cross. It's a sign that we make throughout the liturgy, but it's also a sign that I reach for in moments of grief, or of helplessness, or terror, like that night after reading too many scary stories. Now the sign of the cross is one of those symbols that carries a surplus of meaning. Our English teachers, I'm sure, will recognize this term. By this I mean that some symbols, some texts, mean different things across time and place for different communities and different individuals. There isn't necessarily one right meaning. So what the symbol brings to mind for me can be different from what it means for you. Basically, this is my disclaimer, that if you were taught something different about the cross, that it's okay, it's good, and I'd love to hear about your experience with the symbol. Now, many of you probably know I grew up in Southern Baptist, as a Southern Baptist in Texas, where we do not cross ourselves. So when I started attending an Anglican church, I had to do some digging to find out what this gesture means. Perhaps some of you have grown up in Anglican churches and crossed yourself all your life and are veterans at this and know exactly what every movement means, but for many of us um, who are newer to the Anglican church, this was something we had to learn. For me, it's first a reminder that what we do with our body matters. Our bodies are powerful vessels for communication and expression. We acknowledge this whenever we speak of the transcendence of music or the effective power of dance. I once heard a story of a French dancer, I can't remember her name, but uh, Deirdre Tarrant, for a bit she will find out who said this quote. And she was asked, when she did a new move, she was asked, what does this move mean? And she replied, well, if I could tell you in words, then I wouldn't have to dance it. One Roman Catholic theologian admonishes us to remember that we are just as much ensouled bodies as we are embodied souls. And in the first movement of this cross, we have a reminder that religion and spirituality are more than just abstract ideas. This sign and sainthood is about getting out of our heads and moving our bodies in the world. The motion starts in the vertical plane of the head with the name of God, Father or Creator. Creator is the head, that incomprehensible, transcendent, unknowable, all-powerful God, from whom the Spirit is eternally begotten and the Spirit proceeds. Next, the hand lowers to the heart with the name of the Son, the Redeemer of not just humans but of all creation, who descended from heaven and became incarnate or enfleshed in order to redeem us by becoming human. Then there's resurrection, as in the story of Lazarus, where we move up. For in Christ's incarnation, death and resurrection 
so too is the whole world made anew. Then the hand moves from left to right across the chest with the name of the Holy Spirit, our sustainer and giver of life. This horizontal movement reminds me of many things, of the great cloud of witnesses of all those saints who've come before who are with us now and are to come. It reminds me of the divine work and the relationship that this vertical axis should have on this horizontal axis with my neighbors and all of creation. It reminds me that, re that in redemption, there's a categorical or ontological shift in who we are from one thing to the other. The Bible and our liturgy is full of these metaphors. Whatever one you want to use from darkness to light, from lost to found. This is a sign that Christians have been making for hundreds of years, and it connects us and grounds us through ritual with those our forebearers in faith. That simple sign of the cross brings to mind the rich theologies of incarnation, the deity of God, the trinity, our sanctification, and the passion of Christ. Crossing oneself signals sanctification of oneself, of mind, heart, and body. Now, sanctification means making one holy, or making one a saint. The sign is a symbol of identity and of belonging, for that is where all the greatest saints' journeys start. Indeed, it is where even the most mundane, unremarkable saints start. And yet they are still saints, for they are among God's people. And you are saints. You are among God's people. Now, there will be meanings in the symbol of the cross that I've missed, and that's the beauty of it. The sign itself is a short creed, overflowing in meaning and symbolism. And perhaps it's more than that. Perhaps it also communicates something deeper than words. It's that physical reminder that God is with us. It's a moment to pull ourselves out of our internal thoughts and worries and connect us with a great number of saints who have come before us are with us now and are still yet to come. And for today, it's a reminder that our bodies matter. Sainthood is about overcoming the paralysis that says, I won't be good enough, or I don't know enough, to put ourselves out there. It's saying that we belong to God and to each other and to creation. It's that recognition of who we are in relationship to God and our world that brings us to this next part of our service, where we will hear about the climate submissions and the advocacy work that we can do to make this world a more just place, a place where every one of God's creations can flourish and belong. In the name of God.